We're recording this on Friday, June 18th, 2021. Fast 9, the ninth entry in the Fast and Furious saga, has uh, just hit theaters as of yesterday. I will be seeing it very soon. I have just moments ago finished my rewatch. Um, a very non-traditional order. One, two, four, six, seven, eight. No, wait, no, Tokyo Drift is in between six and seven. And then five. And the only reason five is all the way at the end was because it was the only film I didn't own until this morning when I saw it. You didn't own it? No, I only have... (laughs) I only have the Blu-ray, the hard disk copy of one, two, three, four, eight. And then the other day they had six and seven on stale on the digital Xbox storefront. And so I picked those up and now five is amongst them. You are making the most bored face in the world as I say this. Like this no, is just. I was just thinking about how to lead in back into. I, I just, yeah, I mean, work, 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 work. That's it. Welcome I, back. You, I know exactly Dan, Dan, how. I, I said Dan, my name early. My name is Morgan Roberts. Fitzgerald, Dominic Fitzgerald. I, I, no, I was just thinking about how I was just, I was just thinking ahead. Um, and it's okay because this is not a YouTube channel. We only, the only people that ever see this video <laughs> content is us. Hey guys, <laughs> welcome to Down Down. Critics are down. Like, share, subscribe. What's up, guys? Smash that bell to get notified about every new episode of the show, where this week we talk about Flubber 2, Electric Flubber Boogaloo. 2, and guess what? If you sign up to the Patreon now, you'll get an extra... Why are all YouTubers Americans? Um, Why? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Was I doing American? It's not like the American market is that important. Considering the amount of money this film, the title of this, the the film that we're discussing this week, mm. made in the American box office, maybe I don't know. Yeah, anyway, Americans. look, welcome back. We're doing a double bond this week. We're going straight into License to Kill because neither of us watched the film that well, I no, picked. I didn't, as think, the I didn't think this was coming out next. I thought we were just recording this for the bank. I I didn't think this was coming out. Oh no, I might just bring it out. No, because I have to bring it out today. This is Friday. Like we got an app. We got to drop an app. <laughs> Okay, fuck it. Hey, you're listening to this day off, baby. We're talking about License to Kill. The no 19- edit points, no time. Uh, you got to get no, to Fast no, fu- 9 and I've got to get other things done. And I'm just going, I'm going to drop this in absolute raw. Uh, we have to go fast <laughs> and furious, something James Bond has been doing since 1962. License Boom. to Kill, the 16th entry in the James Bond series. I think one of the fastest and furi- most furious James Bond films. Uh, furious is apt. Ab- absolutely apt. Like this is now if we if we if we just dear listener take our take our memory back to the usage of the term body count. Okay, appropriately Jesus being used I think in this film cuz damn I, I I think this is this is great. Like this film for me I think is a gr- I think in my top five films to show mm. non-Bond fans, mm. like this is this. Just watch this. It's spy. There's detective. There's yep. some ultra violence. An um, 80s action film. Through and it's, an, it's a classic late 80s action. 
extraordinary. It's fantastic. Like you know, yeah. it doesn't have the it doesn't have the diehard. It doesn't have the lethal weapon, but it it sort of you does a take- Bond esque version of those things. Yeah, yeah, you can take this to like a fifteen-year-old, sixteen-year-old boy sleepover and be the the like. If nobody wants to watch The Matrix, you can be like, "Yo, <laughs> trust me, I got this shit. It's Barson. And then, boom, they're gonna watch a, 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 an iconic Welsh-born actor toss a, a suitcase full of ones of money at the guy from Twin Peaks into a shark pit, and it's like, <laughs> who comes up with this? What, I didn't. What I wish what I, else? I wish I had the. I mean, pizza, Coca-Cola, and License to Kill. What else does the sleepover need? I mean... Pizza, please. Coke, and Coke. As in cocaine of Coke. kids, of which this and movie ones. features a lot of. <laughs> ones, baby. Yeah, this is good. I was about to say, I didn't want to stoop to your level and say, yeah, this is bussin'. I didn't want to copy you. You, I love, I love that you always say it's good like we're wrapping up and I'm like, wow, the world's first five-minute episode. I love that. That's it. Done. No, no, but we can talk. We will talk about this at length. I, I love this. I, this is, this is yeah, so refreshing this- for me. Dalton is, Dalton is so great. He's Dalton just, has reached uh, This perhaps, is it. This is Yes. Sooner than most Bonds can reach their sort of main peak or at least, you know – in terms of Bond actors who really found their footing right out the gate, a lot of them don't take a while, but but Tim really nailed it in two. And, he didn't, you know, it's not, I don't think he was going into this knowing it was going to be his last film, was it? Quite the opposite. Um, because post this, and I guess we'll talk about this more in the Goldeneye episode, but post this is a large break. And so mm. it was... When we, when he was actually he was still James Bond until what ninety ninety one ninety two ninety three he officially retired the year that um, Goldeneye went into production in ninety four yeah okay that's interesting so he was actually a Bond for a, a reasonable amount of time despite only yes. being in two films so it's kind of one of those things because like that's I just think he's so great in this everything everything we like about Bond we see. You see, a, you see a character evolving, and it is spoken about a lot that he took. He really went bookworm on his prep yeah. in the, when he originally prepped for Living Daylights, um, mm. and went deep and read everything and did did the right thing. And you can sort of tell. Mm. I've not read the books, but I like I've known enough about the books and what you've told me about the books that this is that this is a very close. This is very close to Ian Fleming's Bond, and that's really great to see which is such which is such a good segue into the fact that this is the first bond film that is has shares no title with a, with any ian fleming written work that has barely a source material there's one or two scenes adapted here from other works but it, it is for a first like you would think when you reach that sort of cliff edge of you run out quote unquote of Ian Fleming material, you'd have a harder time like trying to figure out what is, what is close or what is the right, what is the right mixture of, of, of the film elements that we've created over longer than 30 years at this point. And what are these Ian Fleming elements of the character? But this just so perfectly marries the two where I could easily lie to somebody and say, Oh yeah, this is based on an Ian Fleming book. And they'd be like, yeah, totally. Yes, wait, fine. It's 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 fantastic. It's it's such a stunning piece of work. And it's the first script, I think, 
Ace, I, I, perhaps you, you've seen it more recently than I have. Do you remember if this one is co-written by um, Dick Maybaum and Michael Wilson? Or is this just Michael yeah, Wilson? It's, no, it's Maybaum, And then he doesn't do anything again. This is Maybaum. Yeah, which, yeah, Maybaum was sacked after this, and I don't know why. This is so good. I don't understand. Is it was it a bit of a clean house? Let like let's go. Let's get rid of. It, we're going to move into the new have, era. It has. We're going to move into because Rossman. again, we'll discuss all that sort of changing of the guard and the big break next in the next Bond app. But yeah, because Michael G. Wilson didn't go on to write another one after this. This is the this is the last ride for did. for Dick and Michael. Pause. I watched um, parts it, of this again so recently. Good. Yeah, I watched I watched chunks of it again recently and I only watched it maybe about a month ago or something like it's so good and it's so fresh in my mind as a I think because I just enjoyed it so much and I th- mm. I also think um mind you I've got to I've got to just shout out to Joe Blow. The only reason I knew that about Maybaum was because I just watched the Joe Blow video before we recorded yeah. this podcast. Shout out shout out to Joe, Joe Blow. Joe Blow making gang. making this pod sponsoring not sponsoring but certainly certainly feeding the the the, the 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 time limits around uh, around us recording content for this pod um mm. not that i needed it because it was just you know i, I do it love just, this it's, it's such uh, a the plot just moves along in such direct fashion you know not that there isn't a mystery to solve and not that there isn't more intricacy along the way but there's just this straightforward flow of the plot from setup to working towards a goal to complication to resolution that it's just I can't think of many other Bond films that have such clarity and motion to them. You know what I mean? Here's, yeah, absolutely. And here's something that just sort of occurred to me that I've been ruminating on for a while. People often discuss Timothy Dalton's Bond, particularly this film, as a bit early, a bit uh, ahead of their time in terms of what we're expecting from the character and how brutal the character is. And I need to mm-hmm. counter that argument by saying – Okay, but it's not just Dalton in this film that is brutal. This world mm. is brutal. This is mm. drug lords. This is hits. This is CIA backstabbing. This is yeah. whipping your girlfriend because you're an abusive shithead. Within the first uh, drug, three, within the first two minutes of the movie, absolutely wild. Absolutely just- wild. I was like, whoa. Dog, this that that that, that opening scene is. Let's let's unpack that bit for a little bit because it's. I remember <laughs> when I first saw this film, at, at whatever, however old I've said I was, thirteen or fourteen Some or whatever, thirteen. Like yeah. apparently there's a PG. Thanks again, Joe Blow for telling me this. Apparently there's a PG thirteen and an R rating for this film depending on the cut. Mm. And like if you saw it, in, depending on where you saw it, like you might have seen it, like out on the Blu-ray, and yeah. I assume on Stan and what I just bought on yeah. iTunes because I bought. These oh yeah, two. we in Australia, we have we've always had the what their R-rated cut is. We've already had that cut because I They're, remember yeah, seeing. The only version- I remember the decompression scene. I see. Yeah. I remember seeing that on TV like fifteen years ago. Again, yeah. late night seven mate. Shout out to seven mate. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> a channel I don't think existed 15 years ago, but I, no, the, the whatever, you know, what it was, the sentiment is the same. Late night. A, on, a oh, 15 year old is seeing that head explode on seven, mate, this oh, very moment. Absolutely. They're like, how is this? Yeah. What is it? It's, it's, it's what? Yo. And the axe and the. Fuck. <laughs> Oh man! That the guy from Matrix Three, yo, <laughs> <laughs> and two, 
No fucking, <laughs> having, no fucking fifteen year old is is wowing for the Matrix Three. Can't can't sleep. <laughs> Me neither. I I like and, to come down here. I like to come down here when I can't sleep into the decompression <laughs> chamber to explode my uh, face. It's such a yeah. The only difference between our version of that scene and the American version of that scene is just there's a few extra frames of their head swelling. <laughs> Let, let's let's talk about that. That is such like a shockingly violent. Even for this film, it's like yeah. Even it, for it comes this out film. of nowhere, and it's just like. T- Damn. At least with uh, at least with Benicio del Toro, it's like th- there's a good two or three minutes of that sequence on the belt where you're like, okay, this is gonna end with some cunt getting fucking shredded. Through Somebody's the going in the coke grinder. <laughs> Someone's going in. Probably the drug not machine. Tim, but it's <laughs> no. you know, <laughs> it's it's gonna happen. Yeah, that scene of that yeah, was- the, the the decompression scene is like it's in the middle of this really tense, and I love the fact that. They, they they purposefully reference all throughout the writing process. Um, I'm I'm gonna look like a clown here. I'm pretty. It's Yojimbo, isn't it? The um, the uh, the 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 Kurosawa film that is someone infiltrating a film that I have not seen because I'm you know I don't pretend to be film Twitter. I'm not. No, like- I haven't seen it. I don't know if it's referencing that. We'll have to li- look. Look, let us know in the comments. Shoot us I'm, an email. I'm almost. I'm 99 sure it's a, it's definitely the Kurosawa film where it's like the hero infiltrates uh, his the enemy's sort of organization and world and turns it in against him. Um, oh right, right, right. And so this the decompression scene comes at a moment that is very deep within that, where you've got the whole setup of of of. Bond has stolen this money from Wavecrest, the boat, in in one of the most spectacular action scenes. Side tangent, fuck me getting off the Wavecrest boat and escaping on the biplane with the money is just a clip I could watch on loop. It's so good, stunt-wise, music-wise, editing-wise. It's one of my favorite clips of all time. I think it's one of my favorite Bond action sequences of all time. I love that we've got a return to the Bond trope of getting in scuba gear and just like being a baddie and pretending to be a baddie because like since yep. Thunderball, that's been just this great, like here he is. And the way that that holds tension, because you know, yep. that bond's always going to be fine. Like we know that bond bonds fine. Bond's always going to be fine. You know, the doctor's always going to be fine. We know how yep. this ends, but we want to see tension, where the tension is never, the yeah. tension is never in the individual. It's in the environment. That's absolutely, which brings me back to the fact that the critics of Timothy Dalton's Bond being too brutal are just not acknowledging that this is the universe that he's now inheriting. This is this is late 80s action. This is the vibe. Yeah. He has to compete with coke grinding machines and decompression chamber assassinations. Otherwise, yeah. like, you know, what are you going to do? Like, turn around and how are you going to roger more the, the shit out of that? You can't. You've got to just meet them where they lie. And that's just... <laughs> That's just the way, Moore, you know. Roger Moore watching. Yo, the, I don't think. I don't think Roger that's Moore. That's how decompression chambers go. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think, think he could he do could, it. This like, is not James Bond. This is not Tim, it. Like Tim he'd be has like the moment yeah. during the decompression scene where he watches it take place just to know, and he has that like it's not a grin. Like he's not like sadistically enjoying it, but he's like there's a certain satisfaction in his eyes that the plan has worked, and it's worked in such a way that is clearly affected Sanchez. Roger Moore would be like. Oh dear! Let's <laughs> fucking turn away. There'd be some line. There'd little. be a line. There'd be a line like, um, 
Don't lose uh, your head. <laughs> As I just say, <laughs> I think we let him get to his head or something. Pop Power, the money the got weasel. to his head. <laughs> uh, it's, um, yeah, Rog would. And that's it. And my name's Rog. Yeah, a bit much, a bit much. I think that'd be even a bit much for Pierce. Well, not oh, a bit could- much, but it. But but it's a bit kind of well, like Tim gets Tim gets the closest Tim could ever get to a one liner after the coke grinder incident where he's just put Benicio del Toro through it, but he's still he's still stuck to it. He's hanging on, he's dangling from it, and Carrie Lowell comes up and he says, "Turn the bloody machine off." It's like yeah, so Tim so blink if you'd miss it, the literal bloody machine. But that's as close as he can ever get to a gag. <laughs> Ah, uh, this is See, that's great. Why, that's why Tim have, is Tim does not Tim deserves his roses. The the wellness center, which is not a wellness, the wellness cult center that's a front oh for his God. drug communication. I I mean, <laughs> this is new. great. Like, this does not have to be like if this did not have a James Bond label on it, you could just insert. You could insert. For most of this film, you could insert an action hero from the eighties, and it would just yep. be this other. This would be this fun action film. But the fact that it's also Bond and we've got these elements of Bond, I think ratchets this up to be yeah. just thoroughly enjoyable. And, like, yeah. they, they, they do talk about this film as having a, you know, it wasn't such a hit at the time because it was up against these oh, peak peak 80s. Now it's, it's whenever we look at, yeah, whenever we look at, like, 89, placement release schedule know, of a blockbuster, you you got to, like, think about, competition because this we saw this firsthand bond this movie comes out in the summer season three months of uh 1989 right that's seems fine except that's a week away from indiana jones and the last crusade pretty 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 popular third entry right we we all agree we have pretty big a lethal weapon of some description. I forget which, but you know, it, it, two or three, two. I think it was the year of the sequels. Yep. Batman. And it was the year of what I believe was the highest grossing film of that year. And the most anticipated, again, I can't say this because I wasn't there and you were a two-year-old. But from two-year-old. all in accounts, one of the most anticipated blockbusters of all time, Tim Burton's Batman. Mm, huge. In intensely close proximity yeah this this is not you are just the quality You're too of the spoiled film, for choice yeah i've seen three out of those four films i haven't seen Le- lethal weapon two i've seen the other two i know which one i'd prefer and if i was presented with the choice which one i'd be seeing first and even like quality aside yeah there's no way you are you are getting a bigger crowd over a batman movie or an Indiana no. Jones movie at that time. Like, it's just, they're too but it's, big. But it's aged well, and it is critically held up. And I think that's got that's got a lot to do with Tim, and that's got a, I think, look, how much of this did Maybam write? I mean, I don't know, but I think it's got a lot to do with the fact that the script just goes, yep. this is what we are doing. James Bond is fucking off, and he's pissed, and there are stakes, and... They're yeah. real, like and the whole the whole opening of the film is like the first what? How how many minutes in is is the death of Lyder and and his wife? I like guess a good what? twenty minutes. Like it's a whole yeah, thing. 
you get a lot of time to build the relationship or at least understand the relationship between Bond Remember and Remember why lighter matters. Yeah, because there's and enough. It's not just bang, he's gone, you're like, oh, but I don't really know who he was. Like, do I care? No, no. He, like, they get they get the baddie. They get the baddie in the he, first five minutes of the film. And they get the him. elephant in the room is the character of Felix Leiter. We forgot to mention it a few recent times because, you know, we, we got a lot of Bond films and there's a lot of plates to juggle. But we mentioned constantly, no one has played Felix Leiter twice Except until now. They bring back the actor who played Lida in Live and Let Die. Why it was that specific Lida, I understand completely. Because, and I don't know if, I'd imagine somebody pointed this out along the way and informed the decision, but the story according to the bonus, um, the making of documentaries is just Cubby ran into um, David somebody i forget the name of the actor um cubby ran into him and was like hey he's looking good we we could use this lighter we need to recast a lighter for a license to kill purely because we want a lighter that has already subconsciously you want an audience to be able to relate to a lighter and so bringing a lighter back for the first time ever here is necessary because you've got to form a relationship with this lighter his wife because you got to be real upset with tim when he gets fucking fed to a shark yeah. Yeah, 100%. And fed yeah, to a not- shark is what happens in the Live and Let Die book to Lida. Ah, so they stole that bit. Interesting. Interesting. That, what was not in that film was readapted for this one and works chef's kisses perfectly. Chef's kisses. And, you know, and that goes back to the fact, and I will keep harping on and saying this, like what did you expect Bond to do? Talk his way out? Of this, like, his best friend's wife has just been murdered and we assumed raped and murdered and mm-hmm. and his friend is left legless from a drug lord, you know, doing this thing. And you're like, and how are you expected to behave other than brutal? Not even legless. That fucking drug dealer had the gall to write on a piece of paper he disagreed with something that ate him. He, d- he wrote a fucking joke on a piece of paper to leave on the body. Yeah, no, fuck that guy. Yeah, and no, I'm glad sorry, he Tim, dies. Tim, you gotta light him up with the with the explosive lighter at the in the in the in the final action sequence. You gotta Tim, do that. You even though you don't officially have a license to kill, you have a license to kill that motherfucker. Honestly. You got that license so, revoked, but it doesn't matter because <laughs> Fucking who cares? Look, this is this is this is great. I we I highly recommend this. The Bond you know the Bond girls are Spec- well, what's her name? He the, read my mind. The CIA. Yes, Carrie Lowell as Perry Lowell. Bouvier. <laughs> yes. It's a hell of a business you picked, Miss Bouvier. Yeah, he says that in the movie, and I was like. I was watching Goldeneye. I've been watching Goldeneye recently. Bouvier, and and I can't stop thinking about that Simpsons bit where they where they rip off the graduate <laughs> and it's fucking grandpa in the window going, Mrs. Bouvier. <laughs> I, I've been watching Goldeneye recently, and mm. yeah, it's in, it is interesting to see how. Whilst there are certain elements, of course, that are still uh, not great in how the film is asking us to read this character as a woman, Mm. the women in Bond, I think, from the last one, but particularly this one, just start going, cool, no, I've got my shit together, I have agency, 
Um, I've saved his ass a couple of times. I'm not this object that's just here. Uh, and we start to see the formula of a modern Bond woman in these two films, I think, and then specifically in in Goldeneye. Even though Goldeneye has a, a bunch of other strange problems it's, it's and strange directions that it decides yeah. to take, but we'll 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 cover that in yeah, six yeah. years. It's I mean, becoming in two the, weeks. <laughs> the, the quality of the written Bond women are becoming more consistent as time goes on. Like we've had examples in the past of Bond women who have who have had some real agency for the first time. And the fact that more start to slowly come forward and come forward. Um, this is definitely one where you've got two great examples of both sides. You've got the Carrie Lowell Pam Bouvier character, who, as you said, is this is this fully functioning um, secret agent in her own right. But then you've also got this great ex- example in Talisa Soto, who plays um, who plays Sanchez's girlfriend. Yeah, the character name is escaping me at the moment, but you know, looking throughout her in the film very very unfairly objectified in the beginning for plot reasons and then throughout the film does this she toes that line really well of you know she's not a secret agent she's not a a combatant in any way but she's got a lot of examples throughout the film where she does show agency you know she is constantly discussing with bond you know elements of sanchez's operation um she helps him escape in order to pull off the planting the money back on the wave crest. Uh, there, there are plenty of elements of that where just because she's not the opposite Bond woman stereotype that um, Carrie Lowell can play, she also has she also doesn't fall for many of the the same unfair diatribes that some other Bond women characters have have fallen into in the past. She's not just straight mm. damsel in distress. She's not. Um, just the entirely the target of the villain's rages all the time. It, it, there are some elements, but it's that's the best thing about the film. All of these stereotypes are played with way more interest. I, I don't entirely want to say the word nuance because we've spent the last 20 minutes talking about how this is a big fun 80s action movie primarily. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But there's definitely more detail to it than other Bond films that don't do it because they're not interested in it, if that makes sense. Yeah, there's a lot of glue in between the set pieces in this film that that I think heighten the stakes for yeah. when those set pieces are happening. And just draws the one you last thing I want to talk about before you start to wrap it up, right, we've and we've danced around him all episode. Robert Darby as Franz Sanchez, what a fucking goat villain! Like absolutely, Jesus goat. H. Christ, he does not mustache twirl which it would have been very easy for someone here to do but he does the best thing bond villains can do is they just play james bond from the other side like fran sanchez clearly thinks that he is a man of bond's caliber he just does he he is i mean he's horrible i mean he blows people's heads up in decompression chambers but but you, you know, know what? James, James Bond some, did that. Roger Moore kicked I mean, James Bond a, kicked a car off a cliff organized once. That. You know, there's, there's, murder's murder. Yeah. We just, you know, there are more. There are more relatable reasons for for James Bond to do so. Some of us have licenses for that kind of thing, as the title <laughs> of the movie suggests. Suggests. I would. I would say that he's one of my 
favorite Bond villains because I do love how you, you know when you catch the villain in the first five minutes of the film, the the mechanics that that leads to, like the fact that you go, okay, so where do we go from here? Well, you've automatically said. We've got okay. He has to escape. Who helps him escape? How does that work? And the the the, the chain of events that that triggers, which is so yeah. much more interesting than there's point A and there's point B, and the villain is yeah. waiting for James Bond at point B, and yeah. he has to have his master plan foiled. Instead, yes. you've got all these things that happen in between. He gets infiltrated. Bond wins him over. You're actually at parts of the film. You're like. Oh, you know what? He's kind of he's got a point. He's bad. He's a bad man, but Every he's doing villain, all these things, and he's he's got his machinations, and you you, you yeah. can't help but you can't help but uh, acknowledge that he has played that very well, yeah. and he's done. He is he seems to be the best he at he the best there is at what he does, and that's yeah. and makes for an interesting character. Every villain falls on a spectrum of they either have a clear code that they follow every villainous thing they do is for a reason for an ideal that uh, sometimes is un- is is quote unquote understandable is explainable i think is the key word like we know exactly fran sanchez is trying to run a business and he trusts people like he wants to work with people he wants to trust them he says to Frank McGill is that the name of the actor? I'm so I'm doing bad with actor names today. The guy God, from Twin the Peaks, CIA, who, fra- who the plays CIA Killifer. guy, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. the guy who plays Killifer, who's like yeah. interrogating at the start and then successfully bribes to break him out. Anthony Zerb very early on is like, once you just once you just kill him, like he got you out. Like why would you give him two million dollars? And he's like, because mm. because then I'd be a sucker. Because then I'd be a because then I'd be a bad businessman. Yeah. On the other end of the spectrum are, are villains like the Joker, for want of a better example, but somebody who's like like a Disney type villain who is just so gleefully anarchic that you sort well, of. Well, I can think of. The we'll get to this next Bond it, but I can think of. Um, I can think of much closer to home examples such as Oromov, um, mm. and a, an extreme example of Xenia on a top and. They're just, Fuck, they're stop just talking like, about Goldeneye. That's next week. Stop no, but I'm just, I'm just next week. Mate, you were talking about fucking the Joker, baby. Like, it's okay. I'm whatever. Just, Look, yeah, because we're not about to review the Bond Joker next that... week. <laughs> we have to. Anyway. Look, my point is so that Fran Sanchez really does take place on, on the one, the good scale, right? Of he has, you understand every decision he makes, and it is clear with his character that he is. You know, from the moment he meets James Bond, who he does not know is James Bond, he is just like, well, he knows it's James Bond. But he understands, like, this is someone who could be very useful. Let's 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 see what he can do. And that whole system, it's like the whole slow implosion of his empire is so very meticulously set up and played that at no point does it feel contrived or does it feel... Um, like a screenwriter clearly wants to get to point A to point B without doing the middle work. It no, just works. because Sanchez is able to sell it. Yes, because we it, we I wouldn't we don't sympathize, but we we see that journey happen yeah. at a There's rate an that is believable. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. This is great. I would highly recommend this film. 
Go watch uh, this. Go watch this, this right go now. Watch, go watch it. Stop what we you're doing. Say that go about watch most, we can't say that about some Bond films. Like, we can't, because you've got to be in a mood sometimes. But License to Kill is a mood. movie you can just sort of throw on and get into. Boom. What are you going to do? You could have got, got yourself killed. Could have. Wearing my Kevlar vest, baby. <laughs> tough business you picked, Miss Bouvier. He gets jokes in. He gets some jokes into that bar scene when he, when he like, headbutts the guy and slams on the table. He's like, he's had enough. Run a tab. Oh, we didn't talk about Q. Try to add this th- three times. To- yeah, second but we time didn't, come on. We got, to give Q- we got to give Desmond Llewellyn his props for this one. Because he gets yeah, so much to do. He's in it. He gets a lot to do. He, uh, there is a stat. He is in this movie for as many minutes as he has been for the first 10, like for, for every other Bond film prior. Oh, wow. He is Bond uh, needs he, to go rogue more often. Like I like Bond when Bond goes rogue. Bond, I just like that Q makes in the good. field. Like it's definitely something. No, but that's what I mean. Like boil to yeah. now. Like like Ben Wishaw as Q has gone out in the field more times than John Cleese has played Q. Full stop. <laughs> yes. Sorry, John. I remember that. Sorry, John. Sorry, Cleese. We'll get there. I think Desmond Llewellyn is just, we've always said it, he's charming, he's lovable, he's, he's, he's everybody's favourite granddad, and he gets a lot of good time to shine in this movie. Okay, now in. Yep. My name's Roberts Morgan Roberts. Fitzgerald, Dominic Fitzgerald. Go see Fast 9 in cinemas now. 